Hello, and welcome to The Mastering Show. My name is Ian Shepard. I'm a mastering engineer, and I run the production advice website aimed to help you get better results recording, mixing, and mastering your music. This week is a little bit different because I'm going to be one of the people being interviewed in this show, and that's because of something new that I have been working on with Ian Kerr from Meter Plugs, and we will tell you more about that later in the episode. But Ian is the other guest this week, so we have two Ians, um, but luckily we don't sound anything like each other, so it shouldn't be too confusing. Um, Ian, welcome to the podcast. Thank you so much. Thanks for having me, guys. And John is here as ever, and he's going to be asking most of the questions this week. So, uh, hey, John, how are you doing? Hey, I'm good. How's it going, guys? Good. Thank you. Um, Take it away. So Ian Kerr is from Meter Plugs. And he's with us today to talk about a new thing that they've released called Loudness Penalty. And we'll get to that later on in the show. Um, but let's just get started with um, how did you get started with programming plugins? Yeah, I'd say Meter Plugs, it kind of started out, it was, it was born out of frustration. Um, as a kid, I'd, I'd do lots of sort of odd jobs. I'd cut grass and I'd shovel people's driveways, shovel the snow off people's driveways up here in Canada. And I'd put all my money into a stereo when I was in high school and my parents had this old record collection and I'd listen to the records all the time. And I thought they sounded great, right? They sounded super open and dynamic. And, uh, I, I just sit there for hours at a time, just listening to these records. But then I, I'd get some of the newer stuff. I'd get, I'd buy some CDs of bands that I was interested in. And I found that they just sounded really dull and flat. And, you know, I, I had put all this money into this, stereo and i just thought these things don't even sound good on it like what's the point at the same time i was also a software developer and and uh i had been doing that for a number of years and i was interested in starting my own business so it was kind of the marriage of all those things i thought i want to create a business that helps sort of address this problem this you know the essentially the loudness war so i got reading about the loudness war and i got reading about um Bob Katz's K system and his sort of, you know, framework for mixing and mastering engineers to create more dynamic recordings. And I thought, you know, this is the perfect project because one of the problems as a programmer is you're always wondering, or you're always trying to find a project that you can actually finish. Mm. And I had done so many projects in the past. I'd worked on video games and stuff like that, and I could just never finish them. They just it would take way too long. So I thought a plug-in is it's the perfect thing. I can it's a bite-sized thing. I can spend a few months on it and get something out. I guess that's sort of the story of how I got started. Mm, very interesting. Um so what other kinds of things had you programmed before? Successfully. Yeah, I started out <laughs> well <laughs> that's a different story. But um no, I mean what got me interested in programming is uh video games. So I started just making video games in my spare time and teaching myself uh, 3D graphics programming. And, um, you know, eventually I went to school for computer science and math and uh, started actually working more in in film. So I was working on software that that creates computer graphics for film. And uh, so I was working on things like how do you render skin super realistically? You know, if you think of a character like Gollum in The Lord of the Rings, they had very sophisticated sort of skin shaders. And so I worked on things like that. So that sort of got me away from games and, and more into this sort of offline 3D. Hmm. So I did that. And uh, then I worked for a startup for a number of years that did 3D graphics for the web. 
so where you could actually view 3D models in your browser. And, um, and, and now I'm working for Box, which is sort of an enterprise file sharing company. Would you say that the, you know, that the 3D modeling stuff helps with the graphics of the plugins, with developing plugins? It did actually, yeah. So I, when I started making the plugins, I was looking for, you know, how can I, how can I create a graphical user interface once and have it work on all these different platforms, right? Windows and Mac, and we don't support Linux right now, but you, you could potentially port them there. And so I actually developed my whole own graphics library with buttons and lists and, you know, all the different UI components that you would need. I actually developed that from scratch. Um, you know, at sort of a really low level based on OpenGL, which is what a lot of games use to render the graphics. So um, probably complete overkill. I probably shouldn't have done that, you know, looking back on it. But I was just super interested in trying to get something like that to work. So th that's sort of where the two intersect. And a lot of the plugins that I do are quite visual. If you think about it, like Dynameter and Elcast, they all, they're all very visual plugins. They really, none of them do much processing at all. It's really all about sort of visual feedback. Sure. So it's like you want to make your own pizza, but to get the best cheese, you got to buy a dairy cow and you start there. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, so why metering? Why, why did you decide to focus just on making plugins for metering? Yeah. Well, so initially I wasn't. Initially the, the company started out as audio pluggers. And I was, the plan was I'd do this case system meter and then I'd just go from there. You know, as I got thinking more about it, I thought, do I really want to spread myself too thin? I thought maybe it would be better if I just focus on one individual thing. And it seemed like with, you know, the new ITU specs coming out and EBUR128, it seemed like, you know, there could be quite a bit of stuff here just in sort of metering alone. Was that right at the beginning of R128 that you got interested in it? Did those two things coincide? Yeah, yeah. Like, I think right about the time that I finished... K-meter, I think the those specs were still being developed. So I got into the the P Loud group, which is the group that was you know basically writing the spec. And so I got early access to it, and I started working on Lcast before that was even released. Excellent. It's, it seems like not long after you started talking with Ian Shepard and collaborating with him. Is that right? Yeah. Yeah, so um, I believe that was, I believe I was working on Lcast, and um, I, I was looking basically for influence. I, I was looking for people who had, um, you know, large audiences and whatnot to reach out to and get them to try my plugins. And so I saw Ian, and I saw that Ian was talking about very similar things, right? He was talking about the loudness war, he was blogging about it. And so I thought, you know, I'll just reach out to him and, and see, if he, see if he'd try out Outcast and just sort of let me know his thoughts. Ian tried it out, and I think he gave me some suggestions and, and things like that that I incorporated. And then eventually, I'm not sure how long it you know, was after that, but he contacted me about Perception, you know, the idea for, for the Perception plugin. You know, at first I wasn't really looking to, to work with anyone else, but you know, he, he, Ian's very convincing <laughs> and, uh, you know, he convinced me that it would be a, a really good idea. And, and it was, I mean, it was a fantastic idea and people loved it and it was super innovative. And, you know, I, I think it's been copied uh, several other times. So it was, Hey, it was a great idea. And, yeah. you know, the rest is sort of history. We've we then worked on Dynameter and now loudness penalty. So Ian Shepard, 
I think that's a good place for us to uh, come into the discussion about loudness penalty. Can you tell us uh, the, you know, the the real brief uh, elevator pitch of that? Yeah, it's really simple. It answers the question that I'm getting asked more than any other these days. I mean, literally, people ask me every day now. You know, how can we tell how loud our music is going to be played back uh, online? Because, you know, the, the message has got out. People know that YouTube and Spotify and Tidal and Pandora and everybody are measuring loudness and turning down loud songs to stop users being blasted suddenly because everybody hates that. Um, but because they all use different methods to measure loudness and they all have different uh, reference levels that they use and they have different rules depending on uh, exactly what they find, it's really hard to know exactly. You know, you, we have these rough guidelines that I've talked about before where you can say, well, you know, Spotify and Tidal are around about minus 14 LUFS, um, but Tidal actually uses LUFS, whereas Spotify doesn't, and and so on. So the it's basically a website. It's loudnesspenalty.com where you can go and you can you don't need to install any software. You don't have to sign up for anything. You just drag an audio file onto the website or click the select button and it will process the file. It doesn't upload it. Everything happens on your computer, so it's uh, completely secure. And it will then tell you how the loudness of your file will be changed by five of the most popular streaming services. So it'll give you a separate number for YouTube or Spotify or Tidal or Pandora or iTunes. The iTunes one is just an estimate, but the others are all very accurate um, in our testing, much more accurate than you would get just by using the LUFS values gives you a list of those numbers. And if you give it your email address, it will send you a report so you can keep a record of that or possibly forward it on to other people if you want to. Or you can sign up for some extra information. And in a nutshell, that's it. That's really cool. And where did the idea come from to do it as a website? So Ian and I had talked about having a feature, something like this, in Dynameter. Um, because Dynameter, one of the things you can use it for is to optimize your audio as you work on it so that you have a, you can be really confident, uh, that it will work well online. So it has presets for the different platforms and it has guidelines that you can follow to help you get your music in great shape. Um, we had talked about different ways to present that information and one or other of us had mentioned the idea of the idea of the loudness penalty, where it's if you go too loud, it will be turned down in comparison to the reference level of the streaming service that you're using. But at that point, uh, we didn't know exactly how two or three of the streaming services were figuring out their loudness values. And we were concerned that if we didn't give people an accurate value, they would not be happy with that. It wouldn't give them a good user experience. That makes sense. Um, and also, we knew that not all of the services were using LUFS, and Dynameter is um, very much an R128-based plugin. Um, so again, we felt that it just wasn't it didn't it wasn't a good fit. So we kind of put a pin in the idea, and then I was chatting to uh, Chris Graham, uh, who, as a mastering engineer, has his own mastering company, Chris Graham Mastering, and. He, I forget how we got there, but he was just saying, oh, I would just love if I could, had something where I could show my clients, you know, when they say to me, oh, it sounds great, but can you turn it up? I could say, yes, but then it'll get turned down more. And I could just demonstrate that to them, show them that, that you know, 
there was going to be a penalty for their loudness. And I, I kind of laughed and said, well, we thought about having a feature called exactly that, but we, we never did it. And he said, oh, you should, you should make it a website. Um, and that was, that was the idea, basically. Um, it was kind of his enthusiasm for the idea of having it as a, you know, we talked about different ideas. It could have, we could have gone for a subscription site. Um, we talked about developing an app or doing it as a plugin. And we um, were excited by the idea that, yeah, people could use this without having any other software installed. You know, they literally just drag an audio file on. I mean, maybe Ian should talk more about this as opposed to me, but the, you know, you, we don't have to support a ton of different DAWs. Um, we don't have to have lots of different plugin formats, all the rest of it. In terms of getting the idea up and running, it seemed like a quick way to get the get the idea out there and see if people liked it. Because, I mean, you know, we thought it was a good idea, but we didn't know whether anybody else would. Um, I don't know that Ian has anything else to add to that. I mean, I'd say, yeah, I think I think you kind of hit the nail on the head. I think the two main advantages are, one, you don't have to download anything, right? You just go to the website. It doesn't even upload it. It just does all the processing in your browser. You don't need to download any software. And, um, you know, secondly, from sort of the developer viewpoint, it's very easy to update it in the future, right? If the, if the loudness penalties change, if the streaming services adjust their algorithms, we don't need to require everyone to go and download a new version. You just go to the website and you'll see the latest, greatest thing. So it's really nice for rolling out new features and experimenting and things like that. From the perspective of a mastering engineer, why is this a good service or, or tool to use? For me personally, I mean, I, I use it. Last week, um, mastered a song for somebody, um, sent, sent, the, sent it off to them. They emailed back and said, yeah, it sounds great, but I compared it with, I forget what it was, something on Spotify. And I thought maybe theirs sounded a little bit brighter, a little bit more um, energetic. Um, and I was a bit surprised because I thought, if anything, their mix and my master were somewhat on the bright side already. So I took a quick listen to the reference track they mentioned on Spotify, and I thought it sounded fine. And I thought, well, I wonder if they've loudness matched it. So I dropped my master onto the loudness penalty website, and it told me what the level adjustment would be for Spotify. I made that adjustment, and I compared it, um, and they sounded pretty close. There were actually, in fact, my master, I thought, didn't sound quite as full and warm as the the song that they were comparing it to. So actually the opposite of what their comment had originally been. That's so always I then <laughs> Well, but the interesting thing is I replied and said, hey, listen, this is what's going to happen to the level of your song when it goes on Spotify. And I'm guessing from your comments, you will, you've got the either a CD or a WAV file of that reference track. So do me a favor, turn my master down by, I forget, it was like 1.4 dBs or something and then compare it with your reference track from Spotify and then see what you feel. And about an hour later, I got a message back saying, no, you're absolutely right. When I last listened to them, the loudness is really different and I got fooled. Now I hear it this way. I see what you mean. Mm -hmm. And, you know, we went in a slightly different direction because of the master. So, you know, that's, that's incredibly valuable. Part of the idea of the site, as far as I was concerned, the reason I thought it was a good idea is I think people find these, uh, you know, because this is the same argument that we always give. You know, this is what we've been saying and mastering engineers have been saying for years. But I think people find it much more persuasive when it's actually happening to their music 
that's the experience we've had with the plugins is it, it's much more effective to just show somebody something than to try and persuade them by talking the theory and all the rest of it sure yeah i mean i mean the num- the numbers make it simple to understand to summarize what where it's beneficial for a, a mastering engineer uh, is proof for our clients proof for our clients and also as information for us right because spotify doesn't use lufs they use replay gain um so if you want to compare your song and know how it's going to sound on Spotify before this website. The only way to figure that out was to actually submit it to Spotify, which often we're not allowed to do because we don't own the copyright of the music. Um, Mm. And anyway, I don't know whether you can even hide stuff on, I mean, I'd never done it. I, I know I had clients who would upload their stuff to Spotify and then come back to me with comments and then they would replace the files when I sent them tweaked versions. But that's a pretty clunky way of going about it. Sure. Whereas with the website, you can just, you know, you, you get the number back in seconds and you can make the comparison yourself. Yeah, it's it's useful as proof. It's useful as a persuasive tool for clients. Um, and it's just useful for the information. You know, it's it's super quick to, to know on any of these services what the, the change is going to be. You mentioned this really briefly earlier, but uh, there is the option of signing up for a, a quick uh, newsletter. Is that right? It's less of a newsletter than a, um, it's a, a five-part little email course, if you like. Okay. So um, the first message tells you what happens or what it means if you have a negative loudness penalty score. The second message tells you uh, what it means if you have a positive loudness penalty score, and that's more complicated. So negative loudness penalty score, if your music scores minus two on, say, Spotify, that means they will play it back 2 dBs quieter than you uploaded it. Um, and actually, I should just say at this point, um, that's not necessarily a problem, right? It doesn't mean right. that music is going to sound quiet um, because Spotify's goal and the goal of all of these streaming services is just to get something that's consistent for their users. So even though your music is turned down by 2 dBs, that may not be a problem because everything that's loud is going to be turned down to a similar level. So it's more useful for knowing exactly how things are going to sound because... LUFS and replay gain, all of these things give you slightly different results and tiny changes in level can make a difference. So it is really good to have an accurate figure. Um, mm. Anyway, so yeah, a negative score means your music will be turned down, um, whereas a positive score would mean that they would turn your music up. At least some of them would. Spotify, Pandora and iTunes turn things up. YouTube and Tidal don't. So sometimes when you use the site, you will see just a dash for either YouTube or Tidal, which means that the the level of your song is not going to be changed. So it's below Um, their reference level, which which might mean maybe you need to increase your level of their master. Would that be? Yeah. I mean, that depends on the material, Mm -hmm. right? Um, Because, I mean, for example, an acoustic ballad probably shouldn't sound as loud as death metal. Um, And actually... Um, we talked on a previous show where we talked to Alco Grimm um, about the research that he did for Tidal, and it turned out that something like 80% of users actually, you know, w- don't want songs to sound exactly the same level. They want them to keep a musical relationship to each other. Yeah. And I think we talked about that um, as well in the last Q&A, where I think like the number minus 14 LUFS was... It was being thrown around as as the target to hit for loudness, but that's it has to be in context of the album. 
So that number is, you know, it's it's a around there, and that's where things probably won't touch the replay gain. But that doesn't mean that it's going to sound right for that song or for that album. Yeah, exactly. And so going back to the example of the acoustic ballad versus the the metal song, if if the song you're testing is an acoustic ballad and it shows either a positive score on some of the services or that there's going to be no change on YouTube and Tidal, um, that could well be exactly what you would want musically. So in that case, all you do is you play back your mastered file and then you compare it with some reference tracks on YouTube or Tidal or wherever and see how it sounds. And if you're happy with the way that it sounds, then you're good to go. If it's intended to be super loud, I mean, just for the sake of argument, let's say your file accidentally got turned down by 6 dBs. Um, so that, and it ended up like four or five dBs below the reference level of the streaming service that you were interested in, um, you would then see the positive loudness penalty scores on some of the services, and you'd see that the level wouldn't be changed on YouTube or Tidal. When you do that comparison, then you'll hear that actually it sounds quieter than you would like. Um, so you can try again. You can lift the level up use this uh, the website basically to to optimize the results. I mean, I think one of the one of the big benefits, you know, you you mentioned sort of what's the benefits for mastering engineers. I would say the benefits for everybody else are that it puts you back in control. Um people keep telling me they don't like the they understand why streaming services are using normalization, but they don't like the fact that the final loudness is out of their control. And loudness penalty doesn't give you control, but it does allow you to predict what's going to happen so that you can tweak it to try and get a result that you're happy with. Okay, so that was emails one and two of the course. What's coming up after that? What's email three? Yeah, so email three is where we compare the different streaming services and sort of look at the question of why you get different values for each service. And email four then focuses on, okay, well, what's the ideal score? all these different platforms how do i sort of balance you know the different numbers and then the final email is how can you actually optimize your dynamics as you're working say inside your daw i'd like to know more about what the differences between the different platforms is yeah i mean basically they use different different algorithms to measure loudness so a couple of them have published how they do that title says that they use lufs at uh, minus 14 LUFS is their reference level. And Spotify has said that they use replay gain. So those ones are known. The other ones we've had to sort of experiment to find out. And for both YouTube and Pandora, we're, we're pretty accurate. For iTunes, uh, we're, we're, it's a bit more of a ballpark figure, but we're working on improving that one. So that's why they're all different, different uh, why you get different values is because Two things are using different algorithms and they're using different reference levels. If all of these services use different numbers and different ways of calculating things, and uh, how do we know what the optimal number is? So, I mean, that's a great question. And the answer is there isn't really an ideal number. I mean, this is kind of a spoiler for anybody who's interested in taking the email course, but um, you, you need to decide what your priorities are. So, for example, if you want to be as loud as possible on all the platforms, I would recommend you want to get a score of between zero and minus two on YouTube. Um, YouTube is the loudest, so um, having some kind of penalty there is is okay. 
you'll get turned down more on some of the others, but it does mean the song is going to be played as loud as the services allow across the board. Whereas if you have, if you're in a genre that's more dynamic, um, has more variety in it, then um, maybe, you know, absolute loudness is not as important to you um, and you might go for slightly different values. Um, so rather than trying to find an ideal value, it's figuring out what the right balance is for you and for your goals. I mean, one thing I just want to say is that even if you have, um, let's say you get a score of or of no change on YouTube and then a small positive score on, say, Spotify and Pandora, that could mean your track is on the quiet side. But if it has lots of dynamic contrast in it, if it has like a quiet intro and a, a builds up to a big uh, loud ending, for example, chances are the ending will still be plenty loud enough. You only really need to be concerned about loudness, I would say, if you've got just like a straight ahead, you know, something that's intended to be loud all the time. Um, otherwise, you know, the good news about all of this kind of stuff is that probably you can let the the normalization do its work and it's going to sound great. And, you know, the nice thing is with now you've got the numbers to check, you can do that comparison yourself and just make sure you're you're happy about it. So I was watching your video today about loudness penalty and I saw a comment and I couldn't help but reply to it, but I figured I'll send this out to you guys as well. Um, if streaming services turn everything down to be the same, why does it matter? I guess there's a couple of things. One is that they're not necessarily turning them all down to the same level, right? Like in cases where you're b below the normalization level, you you won't sound as loud. So that's that's the first thing. But yeah, then turning it down, it may be that you just destroyed your dynamics, right? You went way too aggressive for no reason and you made sort of compromises in order to get there. And that was my thinking on that as well. If you take away yes. loudness as a goal of mastering, then you can make it sound better because it has more dynamics. It doesn't have audible clipping and distortion mm. because that's something that remains whether it's turned down by these streaming services or not. Absolutely. I mean, I, I see it as an opportunity. Um, you know, for, for me, if I master a song and then discover that all of these services are turning it down by three or four dBs, it makes me think, well, what was the point in making it loud in the first place? Yeah. Um, maybe that was uh, a crucial part of the, the sound that I was going for. That's an argument I hear. I don't find it that persuasive, but that, you know, that, that could be a valid answer. My hope is that people will use this and maybe see those kind of really low numbers and, and think, well, I'm just going to experiment with doing a version that's not pushed as hard. Um, you know, find out the loudness penalty, make the adjustment, do the comparison of these two things and go, well, if it was this loud, how would it sound? If it was this loud, how does it sound? And I think maybe they'll discover that either they don't hear a big difference or they actually prefer the version that wasn't processed as hard on the way in. Um, so I think it matters because it's an opportunity. You know, it gives us more artistic freedom as engineers and i think it matters because it puts us engineers artists back in control once you have these numbers you know what the uh, the streaming services are going to do you know because nobody likes you spend all this time working on the music and then you upload it to the internet and it comes back and it feels different because they've changed the level and it suddenly doesn't work in the way that you expected that's frustrating with these numbers hopefully 
that process will become less frustrating because you can predict what's going to happen and decide in advance how you want to respond to that. I think one other thing is that I think it's helpful or it matters because, I mean, for example, I know that lots of mix engineers put a, maybe you could call it a mastering simulator um, on their mixes where they, they just slap it through the L2 or something else and push the level up by three or four dBs because they know that if they don't, their clients will complain when they compare it to other reference tracks. The danger of that is that the client gets used to that heavily limited sound and thinks that it's important for making their song sound great. And then even if a less limited version is sent to the mastering engineer for the for the final version, uh, he or she won't be able to do what they think is best because the client already expects that super loud version that they got from the mixing engineer as a reference. Whereas if people get into the habit of comparing with things online on one of these streaming services, there's a good chance that um, a a kind of modern pop or rock mix is already going to be loud enough that you can compare it with what's on YouTube or Spotify without making any level adjustments. So you would just drop the mix onto loudness penalty and go, oh, okay, I have to turn it down by half a dB or up by a dB or whatever. And then you can compare it with YouTube or Spotify. And you've got a an objective comparison where people can decide whether they like it or not without that final limiter. And then my hope would be that they actually, you know, the opposite happens rather than getting used to the heavily limited sound and thinking that's somehow important. They fall in love with the version that has more life and space and depth in it because it's less heavily processed. And when it gets to the mastering stage, they go, well, it doesn't need to be turned up anymore because it's already going to sound great. Um, That's, you know, with my, uh, anti-loudness war ranting hat on. <laughs> <laughs> so what's next for loudness penalty? It, it just was released publicly um, basically today. Is there anything, features that you are thinking of adding? I have one suggestion. Um, that would, that that would that? be to just drop in several files at once and, and, and see the same sort of chart for each of the songs. I'm writing that down right now. Because actually, I I had to do that for four songs this morning, and I was like, hmm, I should probably be able to do that all at once. Yeah, and I think I think that's where we're at right now. Is we we just got this sort of minimal viable product out, and we're we're waiting for feedback, right? We're waiting to see if people are interested in it, and we're waiting to see what sort of features they would like. I imagine that once we get enough feedback, you and I will sit down and sort of go through it all, and then decide, you know, what's the next step. Um, and, and there's, there's various things we could do. It could be just extending the existing website, you know, is it a plugin? Is it some sort of desktop batch processor? We just, we're not sure. Right. So we're, we're kind of waiting for feedback and, and then I think we'll take it from there. Well, I mean, it looks great and it works great so far. So, uh, I mean, I'm, I'm really happy with it. Thank you guys for making it. (laughs) No problem. It's, it's our pleasure. And I, I mean that really sincerely it's it's really nice to have been able to make this free we think this information is important you know we think i mean you heard part of ian's motivation for starting meter plugs was because he he cared about the effects of the loudness war and everybody knows that i'm the same there's a limit to what you can do in terms of giving people information and you know banging on about the problems of the loudness war and all the rest of it 
like I said earlier, I think it is much more effective to give people tools so they can figure this stuff out for themselves. It's much more impactful when they hear the effect of it on their own music. So our hope, you know, the reason we made it free is that it will go viral. We hope that people will find this useful and that they will share it and that they will spread the word. And so it gets more people aware of the issue, more people interested in why things work this way and what they can do about it and why they might want to, um, you know, and that it will have a positive impact that, like I say, more people will decide that they prefer their stuff without a huge loudness penalty, um, where it's uploaded with more dynamics and it gets played back with more dynamics and with less level reduction. We've had a great response already. It's, I think, hundreds of signups already and thousands of users just in the first few days. So it looks, it's looking promising. And hopefully if that kind of enthusiasm from people continues, then we will be able to, you know, develop it further and, you know, who knows how far it'll go. Okay, cool, guys. Uh, thank you so much for making this tool for us all to uh, make better masters with and uh, and fight the loudness war in our own way. Thank you, Ian, for coming on the show today. Yeah, thank you, John, and, and thanks, Ian. It's great to finally get on the podcast. And, you know, to the audience, we just, we hope that you love it because, you know, ultimately we spend a lot of time doing it. And so... Hopefully it's something that you can really enjoy and, and find useful. And uh, we look forward to hearing your feedback. Thanks, John, for asking the questions. It's kind of interesting to be on the other side of it for <laughs> once. Um, yeah. Ian, thanks for, um, well, thanks for your help developing the, the plugins and especially loudness penalty and listening to my demanding feature requests and uh, ridiculous, obsessive... Um, Just meticulousness. You're just meticulous. It's good. It's a good thing. <laughs> well, that's very kind of you. Thank you. Everybody else, please check out the site. It's loudnesspenalty.com. Please tell us what you think. What features would you like to see? Do you find it useful? You know, how can we make it better and more useful in future? John, thanks in advance for editing and mixing the episode as always. Not a problem. Always a good time. Thanks as always to Kaylee Law for uh, letting us use his music. And if you if you like The Mastering Show, please head over to themasteringshow.com forward slash review and leave us a rating and a review. Thanks for listening.